Accomplishment Coaching is proud to present the following fine programming. Accomplishment Coaching, where coaches lead and leaders coach. AccomplishmentCoaching.com. Welcome to The Coaching Show with your host, Master Certified Coach, Christopher McCollum. Thank you, Dick Warren, and thank you, dear listener. I trust that you can hear us. We're having some technical difficulties, so we'll be... Uh, our intention is to be glitch-free today, but I thank you for listening. Uh, we are closing in on the end of the year, and as you know, that means that the conferences season, the conference season is behind us the most recent being in October we had the ICF Capital Coaches Conference in Washington DC we're bringing you some of the people from that uh, fine conference as well as others um, we've got some great shows coming up for you but I won't bore you with those now I do want to shout out to our long-time sponsor of this program which is accomplishment coaching if you're looking for the world's finest coach training program Check out accomplishmentcoaching.com. Not for everyone. It is uh, more hours, more hours of being coached, more hours of coaching, more hours of supervision, more things to read, more things to do than any other coach training program out there. Check it out at accomplishmentcoaching.com. They're available in cities near you in North America. You can find them in San Diego, California, Seattle, Washington, Chicago, Illinois. Chicago, Illinois. I'm going to learn to say the name of that state. Uh, New York City and the nation's capital in Washington, D.C., also now in Victoria, British Columbia. Check it out, accomplishmentcoaching.com. Well, our guests this morning are extraordinary. First of all, we should let you know that we've got an in-studio guest co-host. What is your name? Clarice Connolly. Okay, that would be Clarice Connolly. And uh, who are you and what do you do? I am a women's empowerment coach, so I coach and support women in transition and you know really falling back in love with their life again continuing and giving them permission to dream just really getting under all of our women and supporting them and being on top again the um the point here the opportunity here is sort of a point counterpoint i'm a coach master certified coach been a coach for 25 years arguably six uh and how long have you been a coach Clarice? going on four years Four years. Do you have an ICF credential yet? ACC. ACC coach. Very good. So we got two levels, two different voices, and I thank you for being with us. How do people find you? At empoweringwomen.coach. Okay. You sounded like you suddenly yelled at me. Everything all right? <laughs> all right. Empoweringwomen.coach is how you get a hold of Clarice. Now, the next, uh, our, we're going to spend our entire hour today with uh, two extraordinary guests. And I got to tell you, I was concerned and or confused when I first uh, heard of these guys. I believe it was my my most recent exposure is that the conversation among masters. Oh, there it is again. Conversation singular among masters, plural uh, conference this year. And what they what they represent is a company that they've created called Seven Paths Forward. And right there. I'm I'm a guy who is suspicious of anything woo-woo, so I get nervous about seven paths forward. It sounds very Eastern. It sounds very um, <laughs> very unknowable. It sounds a little woo-woo. But I got to tell you that having heard them speak, having been with them in this conference, uh, the two Davids, David Peterson is the Chief Catalyst and Transformation Officer, and David Goldsmith is the Executive Director. Nothing could be further from my experience. That is, they are practical, they are pioneers in the fields of coaching, they are extraordinarily um, expert and well-trained and uh, generous in their knowledge and sharing their knowledge. Um, David Peterson is 
as I said, a pioneer in the field of coaching. He was director of Google's Center of Expertise on Leadership Development and author of best-selling books on coaching and development. Uh, Vicki Brock's history of coaching names David as one of the primary influencers in the field, both for his early impact on the emergence of the executive coaching field and for continuing to shape the field as someone on the cutting edge of the profession, doing and saying surprising and thought-provoking things. Our second David today, our second David on the panel, is David Goldsmith. He's uh, the executive director of Seven Paths Forward, one of the founders of the coaching profession. David worked closely with Thomas Leonard, served as the first president of Coach U, and later went on to lead, I said letter, didn't I? Later went on to lead coachinc.com. He trained the first ja Japanese coaching training, wrote the Dear Coach column for the Sunday London Times, and co-founded the Foundation of Coaching, which later became the Institute of Coaching at Harvard University. David's welcome. Thanks. Nice to be here. You're going to have to identify which David you are for a few <laughs> so we can for, practice. for a little while so we can get to know your voices. Yeah. David, David so, Goldsmith, will you uh, say hello and um, tell us where you are today? Where in the world? Look around outside. Where do you find yourself? Uh, this is David Goldsmith, and I find myself home in Santa Fe, New Mexico. It's a beautiful uh, early winter day. A beautiful place to be from, as we say. And David Peterson, look around outside. Where where did you wake up today? I woke up in San Francisco, and I'm in the office right now. It's been rainy, and uh, which is a very good thing for the Bay Area right now. So we're 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 not unhappy at all to have the rain here. Indeed. And if it helps, you can call me Danger D. Oh, yay. That's my, that's my rap name, or one of my rap names. Nice. David Goldsmith, do you have a rap name? <laughs> I do not yet. I'm working on it because I need to be as cool as David P, and I'm not there yet. <laughs> uh, I think you mean Danger D. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get started. So this seven paths forward, as I said, it's, it's off-putting to those of us that are, you know, old white men. What do you yeah, do in there? What does seven paths forward represent? So where this came from was talking about the future of coaching. So I've been, uh, again, David P. Danger D. here. I've been <laughs> talking about the future of coaching for quite a while, uh, as has uh, David G. So we'll, we'll, we'll talk more about that. But in a lot of my presentations, I would talk about the forces that are disrupting coaching, that are transforming the field, and then how do we move forward? How do we go forward? What are the paths to take us there? So the seven paths forward really speaks to seven specific paths for coaches to take to recreate the future of coaching. And, um, you know, the, 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 the paths will change as the future tends to evolve and shift around us. The nature of each specific path may change and evolve as well. David Goldsmith, this sounds like a purely philanthropic effort. Why, why do we care about the future of coaching? Don't you just want to make a couple bucks and make a difference and move on with your life? Uh, I've got too much of my life, as does Danger D, invested in coaching and the value that it brings to all the people we've worked with, all the organizations, people we've trained. So we know that coaching, and I think you and Clarice would share this, is an extraordinarily beneficial technology. Mm -hmm. And I haven't seen anything come along to replace it uh, it's certainly been the bulk of my life's work, mm -hmm. and I would like its value to stay for much, much longer. But I think if we don't attend to it and only allow good coaching to be sort of the top of the bar, I think we're in real danger of ordinary coaching being replaced 
by many of the robots that you could buy at Black Friday for 50% off or better. And I think the robots are indeed coming. So I care a lot about coaching, and I don't want to be replaced by a robot. You touch on something there that I wanted to get to later. Forgive me if I'm squeezing you out, Clarice, if you want to jump in any time. But David Houle, we were privileged to talk to David Houle, the futurist, and I know he was there at the Conversation Among Masters conference where I saw you guys. And he says that, yes, absolutely, AI is coming for coaches, that it is a coaching and a law, the law, practice of law are two of the first places that AI could take over humans. So I I trust that, although it sounded a little facetious, uh, the robots truly are coming, and they're coming for coaches. How does that impact your view of the future of coaching? Is it a serious I, I threat, it, I guess? Oh, it, it's a huge threat. This is David G. Uh, I think it's a huge threat. If you look at the leaps that Alexa and Google Assistant and Google Duplex and Siri have made just in the last few years, and you look at the number of people that work on Alexa alone. If you remember the fact that every day, every week I get an email from Amazon telling me how Alexa just got better. Uh, You may have heard the Google Duplex demonstration earlier this year where a robot called a hair salon to make an appointment for someone. if you haven't, I recommend you search it and look for it. But you'll hear, a, you wouldn't know it was a robot making that phone call. And the salon was none the wiser. Then you hear another robot doing a similar thing, calling to make reservations at a Chinese restaurant. In this case, the uh, Google Duplex dealt with difficult to understand accents. They dealt with a restaurant that didn't take reservations, but were able to ascertain the restaurant wasn't going to be busy. Uh, if you hear this, it's fairly mind-blowing. And when you realize the rapid advances in AI, voice recognition, processing power, the fact that we have a computer in our pocket that's thousands of times more powerful than got us landing on the moon or Mars, Mm -hmm. um, you combine all those things together, a lot of good and ordinary coaching could easily be done by Alexa and to some great value. There are a number of tests and prototypes out there. They're not very good. But in the nature of iterative software and technology, they will get good, um, even if they aren't there today. So I think it's a huge threat. And what, besides going around and smashing strangers' phones on the subway, what should we be doing (laughs) about this threat, or what do you recommend? We need to get great. We need to learn how to deal with the most complicated, complex issues that a robot can't deal with. We need to not settle for ordinary. We need to not be complacent. We need to be constantly working on making sure that our skills um, are well ahead of the market. So as an executive coach, if you're working on the easy problems that most of your executive coaches are dealing with, you're making a difference and you're being helpful, but you will be relevant in a few years. If you are taking on the most challenging, difficult, thorny, Uh, volatile, complex, challenging decisions and helping clients work through those, you will be enormously valuable. And that's really, I think, the first one of our seven paths is you've got to stay ahead of the market. And this is the place where you've got to start. Many coaches today uh, are very complacent. Their, Their common response is like, well, my clients love me and they love the human connection. And so... They, they just think that that's sufficient to protect them from the future. 
But if you think about the, the nature of artificial intelligence and some of these apps and bots that are available, they're always there. They have access to the entire intelligence of uh, the internet, all the knowledge in the world. They are patient and on demand available. Coaches simply cannot compete with that. So we have to find other ways to differentiate ourselves. Mm -hmm. And the human connection, if you watch some of the, the videos, the YouTube videos uh, that are online available now about what artificial intelligence can do in terms of connecting with people, creating an empathetic bond, uh, it's really, really surprising. And as David G has mentioned, will only increase in quality uh, over time. What would you say in your experience are some of the symptoms that we could look for as coaches for complacency? And, you know, what are some things we could do and take on to break that up? So when I think about the, the evolution of uh, coaching and of most coaches, so I, I wrote several chapters, basically all titled, it's easy to be a good coach, hard to be a great coach. Hmm. And, you know, being patient, asking people questions, um, listening attentively, helping them think things through. These are all the things that good coaches do that will be replaced um, by other alternatives, either cheaper coaches, um, apps, apps, self-directed learning. People are getting better at learning for themselves. So you know they can they can begin to ask themselves these questions and reflect on them. So all of those really simple kinds of things, and it's the kind of coaches who are saying, I'm good. I don't need to worry about this. That's the essence of the complacent. So what, what's ironic about what David and I are trying to do is the very coaches who need this kind of support the most are the ones who are least likely to recognize it. And when we do find somebody who's you know out there saying, you know, I just I realize I'm, I'm treating my clients the, the way I always have. I realize I'm not growing and stretching. I realize that you know we're, I'm having the same conversation I've always had with new and different clients, but there's got to be more. Those are the people who are starting to wake up. So it's the ones who are saying, I'm pretty good. My clients love me. I'm happy. I get to coach from, in my pajamas from my living room. Those are the ones who are going to be replaced uh, very abruptly at some point. Okay, thanks. I'm sorry I got distracted momentarily. Um, you you certainly make a compelling case, and I know you've got seven paths forward. It's not a secret. It's not a, a, a only available in book form because we can get it by going to your website, which is the numeral seven paths p a t h s forward f o r w a r d seven the numeral seven and then the words paths forward. What what is this? Dot com. Sorry, thank you very much. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Only been doing this 16 years. I'm really getting the hang of it, though. Um, the <laughs> When we go there, it doesn't look like there's a million things for us to choose from. We're not. You're not there to sell us books. You're not there to, to sell us things. You're giving us an opportunity to come and do a workshop, which I'm assuming is pretty interactive, to become even better coaches. This it's interactive and very intensive so uh, but it's really designed to 
um, push people in in thinking and in action and in trying new things along these the, the types of things that we're talking about. So how can they um, start coaching engagements faster, uh, build trust, build a positive working relationship faster, go deeper, get more connected to what really matters to the individual, mm. and end strong. So those, those you know, so that the person they're coaching leaves with a clear sense of what they're going to do differently, with a strong intention and an actual plan to act differently almost instantly when they get back to the environment that they're going back to. So start fast, go deep and strong. We have exercises and content and activities and practice sessions all designed around those elements. That's the introductory workshop. That's the real agenda there. And people come in thinking, oh, this will be easy. Right. Mm -hmm. But they, they get stretched, they get challenged, they get feedback from their peers. They see their peers doing things differently and experimenting and trying. So we're actually building a community as well as teaching people new approaches. That community and connection is a really important variable for coaches to thrive in the future. We have to be better at connecting with each other, learning from each other, sharing best practices, and continuing to challenge and stretch each other. And do you then offer other additional programs or offerings for the, is, in other words, do we have to do the gateway program to find out what else is available, or can you tell us now? Let us in, let us in. So, David, you want to take that? Sure. Yeah, so this is David G. So uh, when you have completed this workshop, uh, we have learning communities that you're able to join, mm -hmm. um, and those go on. We've got um, a next visit with those people next week in San Francisco, and we'll spend a day together. So we get together with this community once a quarter. We meet together monthly. Um, one of the elements that's particularly interesting about the workshop and the ongoing community, uh, and I think you'll appreciate this, both of you, given uh, Accomplishment Media's sponsorship and your background. Most coaches, after they are trained, rarely have their coaching observed and rarely observe other people coach. True that. And people end up living in their own bubble, doing their own work, and clients are not necessarily skilled to judge whether they're doing a good, better, great, or terrible job. So they just move on and they eventually develop bad habits or routines uh, that work for them. So when you are in a community where you are constantly coaching and having your coaching being observed and uh, discussed and you have the ability to experiment and try multiple approaches uh, with a lot of feedback from the clients along the way, uh, it creates enormous rapid cycles of learning and uh, getting better way more quickly. It's also very scary for those folks that have very experienced because uh, all of a sudden, oh, my God, I've now got a coach in front of my peers. I might not be as good as I think. So it's an interesting dynamic. But once you uh, plunge in and let yourself be vulnerable, the results are uh, enormous. And is this primarily for old crotchety coaches like me who have put the gray in our hair? Or is there value for somebody at the ACC, the, you know, what are you in your third or fourth year of coaching? Yeah, careers? I'm getting all kind of value. Is there, would there be value in this, in these workshops and in this community for new coaches or new work coaches? Yes. Uh, we, um, it's interesting. We, in our very first workshop, we had a brand new coach who was halfway through her coach training. Uh, who was helping us with the logistics in our program. 
uh, and she got an enormous amount of value. Uh, the workshops that we do currently are geared towards people who are experienced, have done approximately 50 uh, coaching engagements, um, because what we have also found is that experienced, uh, maybe crotchety as you used your word, coaches, um, oftentimes are the most experienced person in the room. So they end up not getting a great deal of learning because they are the one providing the learning for everybody else. Exactly. Uh, our research has shown that for there's a ton of places where you can become, get trained to be a good coach. There's very little to become a great coach. So we have organized a lot of what we are doing uh, around um, providing a place where people who are on that good to great spectrum can really go and get better. That being said, we are in the uh, pilot stages on a program to work with people uh, at the ACC level who have completed a number of coaching engagements to give them um, the inside secrets of what you might learn after doing this in the crotchety fashion. So we are. Uh, I'm going to take exception to the crotchety notion. Because, um, I, I think that this is not for the old crotchety coaches. This is for the, the, the coaches who are vibrant and constantly learning at any age and the folks who are super engaged with what is the future of their role, how can they have greater impact? And to me, that's the antithesis of crotchety. Um, so that's not who we want in our workshops. That's not who has been coming. So you're welcome to attend, um, but we're gonna ask you to leave the crotchety at the door. I don't think I can. Okay. Um, <laughs> We should point out that the dates for your next workshops, these are three-day, two-and-a-half-day workshops that uh, will take place in either San Francisco or New York City. And you know that you, my dear listener, have been meaning to get to one of those cities if you don't already live there. Uh, in February, it'll be the 6th through the 8th of 2019, and in May, the 1st through the 3rd. These are uh, not inexpensive programs. It's $39.50, $3,950, which includes several meals, there are hotel options nearby, and you get 16.75, because 17 would be too many, uh, CCEs, ICF-approved CCEUs, uh, as we say. In um, what, do, what do people walk away with when they've come and done these workshops? What do they say, even whether we're crotchety or not? I'm leaving my crotchety at the door. What do we, what do we walk <laughs> away with? How, how do we know we're, we're great coaches? We're great. Yeah, this is David G. So what you work, walk away with is... A bunch of things. One, a community of other people becoming great that you now connect with. Uh, the people in our very first cohort are so tight. They have stayed together. They've traveled in France a couple times together now. They're having a sleepover event ahead of this other event. So you get a very deep, uh, impactful community. More importantly, you have a place where you can show up and be vulnerable and learn. And most uh, people that are vibrant and eager to learn don't always have that environment available. As I said before, there's too often being the mentor or the teacher, and here you have a chance to learn. Uh, your coaching will be radically different. You will be able to engage with a client much, much faster than before. You will leave with a process that will allow you to know that the great insight that your client came up with is actually gonna turn into action immediately. Uh, what we found is too frequently uh, coaches 
help a client come up with a great insight and they figure the fact that they are so blown away by the insight, they will of course be motivated to go and take action. And I think we've all experienced too frequently the client gets on the phone a week or two later and nothing has really changed. And you will leave with a very different approach to solving that problem. Uh, you will understand much more about the complexity that leaders face today and how your role can be very different in helping them sort through those issues and come up with much more powerful solutions. You will leave um, a more concise coach, a more elegant coach, uh, a more direct coach, uh, and you will also be leaving aware of the enormous toolbox that you have developed over time and much more facileness in picking the right tool for the given job that lays ahead. What would you add, Danger D? <laughs> so two things have uh, really stood out to me in terms of what people say um, uh, that they've taken away. Number one are the people who, who really like um, the, the depth. Uh, some come from a psychodynamic kind of coaching background. Some of them really think you have to, to dig deep in into all the emotional connections, you know, trace their whole history, who just said, you know, I like that, but I realize now that's not the most valuable thing I can do for my clients. So we can still spend time there, but I feel like, so this is a, a, all, as close as I can get to a verbatim quote, I feel like it can have twice the actual impact in half the time by following the process that I learned with you. So that kind of realization and instead of having this person feel like, oh, now I'm constrained or I have to give up what I enjoy, now this individual, this, this, this coach has the opportunity to choose where do I go next? Do I dig deep because it, it might have a longer term impact or do we go really fast because that's the best thing for the coach or for the client right now? So they, they left with a much stronger sense of the ability to control their own choices make the most effective choices in the minute and and have a greater repertoire of options to choose from. So that that was really uh, surprising to me that, that people took that away. And we've heard that from a number of folks. The second thing was the, the, the reaction that people had to the peer support. So learning so much from their peers, seeing other things in action, and they learned from that and many of them said, I feel freer now than ever before to try new things, to experiment, to stay fresh in my work. So all the things that David G said, are, are, people are taking away really, really true. But these other two things kind of have surprised me in terms of, of the value that people are getting. I love that. So I'm still left kind of curious, what are exactly the seven paths? So, I think to, to get into that, we should take a look at what are the forces that are driving disruption, mm. because that the, the seven paths really flow from what's the environment that coaches are facing now or will be facing soon in the future. Mm -hmm. And we, we reference artificial intelligence. It's often the one that comes up the most. It's certainly been in the media lately. It's the catchiest, and it's definitely one of the major forces driving disruption. Some of the forces are actually much more mundane. Um, one of them is simply the fact that the world is changing and the nature of leadership is changing. 
So what we have to coach people on, the challenges that they're bringing into coaching uh, conversations are different. And so we have to stay ahead of the curve. Leaders are also getting better at learning for themselves. They're learning how to reflect. They're learning how to seek their own feedback. They're, so many corporations are emphasizing learning agility right now, that leaders are becoming more agile learners. So they need coaches, uh, basic coaching less. We're seeing coaching embedded in other roles. So everybody is, de is developing their own coaching skills, your friends, peers, managers, human resources, you know, everyone is becoming a uh, coach or, or at least learning the skills. And so the professional coaches have to keep raising the bar. People often laugh when I mention th this next one, but performance enhancing drugs are on the cusp of really being able to offer um, significant advantages. There are memory enhancing drugs that are coming online now. There are uh, drugs that will reduce your need for sleep, help you concentrate and focus more. So those kinds of things will actually enhance people's performance. Again, that's part of the goal of coaching, and you can take a pill to do that. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. And then one of the, the things that I find most intriguing are some of the, the physiological monitoring, real-time feedback through devices. So the example that I find most compelling is if you think about, it was the old Google Glass, but many other people are doing this now, where you have a visual image projected in front of you, in front of your eyes, so you can see this without other people being aware of it. But these devices can, if, say you're a speaker at a conference or leading a workshop. These devices can read the eye contact and gaze of the audience mm give you a hint like your your audience is confused, your audience is bored, or, or your audience is really, really interested in what you're saying right now, and then give you tips and advice like change your pace, speak louder, real-time feedback. So why would you need a coach if you can get real-time feedback on your presentation or on leading your workshop in the moment? And that same device can help you practice. So these are the kinds of things that are really shaking things up for us. So that with, with that kind of context, changes and disruptors coming from many different directions, we can talk about the, the paths for coaching. But let me, let me just stop at, at this point and check in with you to see if you have any other questions on what we've just covered in terms of what's driving disruption in the field. I, I'm just blown away at how many more I didn't actually realize or take into consideration. So thank you for the thorough explanation. That's amazing. It's kind of terrifying, right? <laughs> because there, so. it feels like there's so much out there that we don't know about, that we're not, you know, that uh, seem like threats to not only our livelihood, but the type of difference that we want to make. Is your experience that most coaches are compl uh, you You talked earlier about complacency. Do you think that most coaches kind of get to a, a level and plateau? I'll tell you one, one of the stories that actually has blown me away with how consistent it is. So when I'm speaking on this topic, David Peterson again here, when I'm speaking on this topic at workshops or speaking to coaches at conferences, and I say, you know, let's talk about disruption. So what, what industries are being disrupted right now? And people shout out all kinds of things, mm -hmm. health, retail, Rental automobile, car, right? Yeah. Um, 
everything's being disrupted. Um, uh, in, insurance, uh, just any anything you can think of, TV, media. Right. Buying wine, uh, buying coffee, yes, all of it. Yes, retail, purchasing stuff. And then I say, so when will coaching be disrupted? They say, well, we're the, we're the people who help people deal with disruption. We won't be disrupted. Mm -hmm. So the first few times that happened, I was really shocked. Like, really? You think everybody else is being disrupted except us? That's what they think. Everybody thinks it's not going to happen to me. Guess what? It's coming. So the, the, are they complacent? Complacent may not be the accurate word, but they're not thinking I need to stay ahead of the curve. So that's really where we start with uh, the seven paths forward. Number one is stay ahead of the market, stay ahead of the pace of change. So stay in touch with what's going on, read about new technologies, understand what our clients' most complex, difficult, and changing needs are, and build your capabilities there. And the single best piece of advice is work with the most challenging and difficult clients you can find that you think you can actually help. So that kind of pushing yourself to stay ahead on all fronts, or at least in a couple distinctive areas is really critical. Second, and this is to put client needs first instead of your own. That, that I think is the essence of the complacency that concerns me. Like, hey, I love coaching. It's so much fun. It's easy to do. They're putting their own needs first. So thinking about uh, book David, I don't know why everybody is a David, but David Meister wrote a book <laughs> called True Professionalism. And that um, sets forth what it looks like when you really put clients first. In the long run, it's much better for coaches because clients get real value. They see that you're supporting their interests. It's so clear when you take this approach. It's not as cool and fun in the short run, but it's very cool in the long run to see the value they get and the support and loyalty that they will then have to you. So again, let me just stop for a minute with those two thoughts. I'm on board. I can, right. I'm ready for three. All right. The next two go hand in hand as well. Then the, we really have to get much better at how the science and art of accelerating development. How do we help people learn faster, make changes, you know, so gain insight, try new things, get good at them, and build in accountability. So all of those kinds of things, we have to get better at accelerating our clients' development. So fourth is similar, but it's really a, an area of stretch, and it's an area that I'm most interested in right now, is how do we actually transform transformational development? So it's one thing to help people learn faster and better, but we need step changes in the kinds of skills that people have. We need step changes in their mental models, in the, the stages of development that they're at. And so how do we as coaches really get significantly better at that? That's a relatively new area of exploration for coaches, but I think that's going to be, you know, as paradigms shift in artificial intelligence, we will need paradigm shifts in the skills that we're teaching, the way that we're teaching. 
So I often say that you know everybody knows that things are changing faster, and so we need to be faster. But things are changing, different kinds of things are changing faster in different ways. And so we need different ways of helping people learn different things. And the same applies to ourselves. Then this is one of the places where I think the complacency shows up a lot mm -hmm. because most clients show up to work with a coach uh, and it's an invaluable, critical process. So the coach says, hey, I'm making a difference doing what I've always done. And what they aren't recognizing is this whole other layer where can make an enormous step change difference in the quality of results. And because the client is delighted with what they're providing in this first order way, there's no push to get better. But doing it in this second and third order way provides such a much more extraordinary difference um, that if the client was blown away to begin with, they would be rent rapidly sending you more clients if you got good at doing the second and third order piece we're talking about here. It's confronting to consider learning from here. In your experience, how many coaches already have coaches, already have some access to a learning or development other than, say, you know, ordering the occasional books from Amazon? Our experience is that for too many coaches, their selection criteria for their future development is, can I get ICF CCEs? Right. As opposed to, what do I need to do to become the best possible coach and go and make that happen? So it becomes a check the box exercise to maintain a credential for many people, as opposed to a deep, passionate drive to become extraordinarily better. Now, there are many people listening to this podcast that are in that latter camp, but we find there are many people in the former camp. And I think that's the concern. You can read some books, you can attend a workshop, you can do this. Uh, but it requires, I think, a much more concerted, deliberate approach to learning and getting better um, in an active way, not just a passive way. And part of that active approach to getting better is intentionally putting yourself into situations that will stretch you. So putting yourself into the most complex, difficult, challenging kinds of situations and new and different situations. So working with people in different industries, working with clients with different needs. So you are exposing yourself to situations that challenge and stretch you in ways that you can't always predict. That's where I see coaches, even when they have their own coaches, even when they pursue supervision or mentoring from others, that's where I don't see enough proactive investment in putting oneself into those kinds of situations that will actually force and stimulate very new perspectives, force and stimulate advances in your own mental models. So the, the you know, learning is pretty good right now for many coaches, but accelerating their own transformational learning is where I think many fall short. To use a really simple analogy from the world of sports, if you play tennis and you want to get better, if you play with someone who's as good as you or not as good as you always, you will stay okay. If you want to get better, go and lose a bunch of matches to somebody way better than right. you. Right. What is Andre Agassi doing these days? Yeah. Exactly. Uh, okay. Good. Let's go. Let's go forward because I want to. I want to get to all seven. But man, I'm excited about this learning one. So let's get to there. So fifth is, you know, at this point, now we bring in the technology as one of the paths. So embracing and leveraging the emerging technologies, 
playing with them, reading about them, studying them, experimenting with them in your own coaching so that you can see their capabilities firsthand and ask yourself, A, how can I start to use this as a support for the coaching that I'm doing? So can it replace some of the lower value things that I'm doing right now? And B, where do I actually need to be upping my game to stay ahead of this? So being familiar with what's happening now and stretching and challenging yourself so that you are um, as, um, uh, what's his name, the hockey player? Uh, Wayne Gretzky. Skate, yeah, Wayne Gretzky. Skate to where the puck is going to be. Too many people try to skate to where the puck is, but in a fast-moving game like hockey, the reason he said he was so good is because he skates to where the puck is going to be, and that's really what we're talking about here. Sixth, it's essential that coaches start thinking about themselves as role models of innovation and adaptability, that you have to be able to demonstrate to your clients, I have reinvented myself, I have adopted these new changes, it's okay, come with me. So that role modeling, innovation, adaptability, challenging ourselves, stretching ourselves, putting ourselves into uncomfortable situations, taking risks, asking for feedback, all of that, that we have to em embrace this um, role of being fast followers, early adopters, and showing our clients that it's okay. The seventh path, is a little tricky. The suspense. It's suspense, exactly. <laughs> Find your own path. Oh. <laughs> so we can't tell you everything. I, I mentioned earlier that the paths will probably evolve over time as the world around us evolve, but built into this model is the sense of you have to take control of your own destiny. You have to be vigilant. You have to be thinking about what is the unique path that I will carve out for myself? How will I drive my own evolution into the future of coaching? How will I stay viable in this world as everything is changing around me? And perhaps most importantly, how will I stand out from the crowd? How will I differentiate myself in a world where there's so many other options for people. Find your own path. I want to talk about learning because you guys, what a, what a target you've painted on yourselves by representing growth, learning, innovation, adaptability, professionalism, cultivating deep insights for other experienced coaches, for other people who are committed at the highest level. Uh, I want to give you a softball question and then a little harder question the softball is uh one book one book that you recommend one book that if you could give to every coach uh on the planet you would have them read or take on the the uh suggested actions one book what do you recommend let's start with danger d <laughs> at, at this point the one book that i would recommend is um daniel kahneman's thinking fast and slow mm, excellent yeah it's very deep, very rich, uh, but he won uh, a Nobel Prize basically for the work that led to this book. He's one of two psychologists who have ever won the Nobel Prize, and this is really a paradigm-shifting work that he did on how people think, the, the ways that our thinking can take us astray, 
especially in a world of exponential change. So we're not good at, at perceiving and understanding and predicting the path of, that exponential change will take us down. We end up making decisions all the time in ways that work in some settings, but where things are changing around us, his book starts to point to what do you need to be alert to and some of the, the, the simple kinds of things that may lead you astray. If you're vigilant and check in with yourself, question your own assumptions, you will make much better decisions. You will be more adaptable as things change around you. So to me, that is one of the foundational works for coaches preparing themselves for the future. Beautiful. David G. Uh, I'm going to go on the other side of what David Danger D is talking about, which is I think any of Maester's books, but in particular the True Professionalism book, um, too many coaches do not run their practices like a business with all the pieces. And Maester's work is very, very deep on a variety of things that uh, if you want to go on this good to great coaching spectrum, you really need to master this ability to be a true professional uh, and a big element of that true professionalism is growing your own skills constantly, but really running your practice like a true practice. And so many professionals, not just in coaches, don't do that. And I think coaches miss that. And Maester speaks about it so rigorously and so beautifully. One of the things that uh, this relates to also is we're very big on get in with a client, make a huge difference, get out, and then come back in again when they're ready for something else. And we see too many clients trying to build a dependency with, or coaches building a dependency with their clients. And it becomes sort of a lifelong uh, relationship that I think breeds complacency and doesn't have them pushing people to really get better more quickly. So we want to, he really focuses on, are you delivering value all the time in a direct and compelling fashion instead of building a lifelong dependency? And uh, we think the whole point of coaching is really to help people become better learners. And I think both uh, David's book and this one are key in helping you get there. Great. Thanks for that. Um, what are the things that you guys are taking on to be able to lead the leaders, to be out in front of the coaches that you want to be out in front of their clients? I can give you two examples. So my own personal mission as a coach has evolved. And when I started 25 years ago or more, whatever it was, um, you know, I, I gravitated towards who's the coolest client. I want to work with CEOs. I want to work with all these really cool leaders. And I think that's a natural temptation for coaches. They want to work with the top leaders. And over time, I realized that's not my niche. I want to deal. So my, my mission evolved to, I want to work with people leading $10 billion businesses, dealing with complex global challenges and disruption in their field for the first time. And so that was my target niche for a long, long time. And that's actually, I think, what led me to become the head of coaching at Google about eight years ago, is the, the, the reputation I built in that space. Today, I would say my personal mission is I want to lead the leaders that are going to be the coolest leaders 15 to 20 years from now. 
I want to have the kind of impact that the people I'm coaching today in 10 years will say, that's what he meant. Now I get it. That they are prepared for the challenges that they will be facing in the future. So I have to be in a position of identifying who, who are the early uh, fast risers who have that potential. What, what do they need now, but how can I start to plant the seeds for what they will need 10 years, 15 years, 20 years from now? Part of that is they, they'll be leading organizations that may look very different from what we're facing today. They're much likely to be um, leading much larger organizations. So how can I prepare them today with the opportunities they have so that they will be ready when the future arrives for them? So I've shifted my focus from you know, value in the next year or two to value 10 to 20 years from now. So that is the personal challenge and stretch that, that I've put myself into here. So that, that's one of the ways that I really am, am trying to prepare myself and stretch myself. Another is through the work that we're doing here. We never run our workshops quite the same way. It would be too easy to fall into of a greatest hits kind of show here's what we've done last time this group loved it right so there's always an element of the proven commodities and the things that we know work but we are always experimenting ourselves there's always something fresh and on the edge in our workshops that we've never done before so people will go to different workshops and, and they'll come out saying oh did you see this no we had this thing that was cool so we want to be, as we talked about, role models of innovation and adaptability, not resting on our laurels, always pushing and driving to be better, faster, go deeper, create more value. Great, David G. Uh, the place where I'm pushing myself is as we grow the Seven Paths organization, how do we embody all of these principles that we just laid out in the seven paths, how do we make sure that every element of our organization is consistent with those principles? How do we lead the workshops the way we want people to coach? How is everything we do consistent? How are we using technology in the best way possible? How are we eliminating the easy stuff? How are we challenging each other? Uh, I think the piece David talked about, never leading workshops the same way. How can we both stay in that uh, improvisation space? How can we take whatever each of us says and turn that into the next piece of gold and dance elegantly together uh, to provide ever more value? So it's playing on that edge of developing and growing an organization that's consistent with our principles. Uh, I've run many organizations and this, this is the chance to uh, do this one very differently uh, that makes it uh, much more future ready, uh, given that that's what we're all about. Okay. Uh, should coaches have coaches? I have a pretty strong opinion on this. Coaches should find ways to develop. There are many ways to develop. I, I almost hate to say it, but there are many paths to driving your own development. But yes, they should be 100% committed to finding ways to grow, to develop, to stretch themselves. I tend to emphasize self-directed development as the starting place. So coaches need to be better at developing themselves. Getting a coach, working with multiple coaches is a great way to do that. 
So over time, if you um, have a coach, find somebody new. If you have had several coaches, stop using coaches and try another way to develop. Mm -hmm. So it, it's that exposure to different modalities, mm -hmm. different people, different views, different perspectives that I think drives the kind of development that people actually need. So coaches who want to coach, absolutely. But learn to not depend on your coach or on the next coach as your only means for development. And I think this applies to uh, our clients. I don't know that every client should always have a coach. I think every client should be on a learning journey and use coaches and other methodologies when it's appropriate to accelerate and grow them the fastest way possible. We have about uh, two or three minutes left. My question for the both of you is, what would you say is the future of coaching? We start, we end where we started. We are on the cusp of the golden age of coaching. Uh, the demand for coaching has never been higher. The understanding in the market has never been higher. And um, coaching is hot right now. And you don't have to explain to people what a coach is, much like we had to do 15, 20 years ago. So the, we have the chance to extend that golden age of coaching if we get a lot better a lot more quickly. If we stay complacent, uh, the future of coaching is going to be Alexa and Siri and Google Duplex. If we take the information that's ahead of us and pay attention to it, we can do make big things happen. The taxi industry missed the same signs that Uber and Lyft saw, and they're now playing catch up in a horrible way. Taxi medallions in New York City are worth way less than they were a long time ago. Blockbuster video stores had the same information that Netflix has. There's one blockbuster store left in Oregon. So the information is available to people. We have to pay attention. And if we uh, pay attention, we can stay relevant for a very, very long time. If we stay complacent, the robots will take over. This golden age of coaching that David is referencing is what we often hear from people right now. But the, the leaders are dealing with such complexity. They don't know what to do. They really need me. And so it is almost that seductive kind of, I'm, I'm great, I'm so in demand, I'm, I'm really necessary for this. That is going to continue for a number of years. At the same time that the demand for coaching is increasing right now, all of the alternatives are accelerating exponentially. And so there's an inflection point where what coaches do to help leaders deal with complexity is going to be met, those needs are going to be met in other ways and at a higher quality level. It's not going to happen overnight, but you can see that it's coming. And so there's really good news for coaches. And then there's a downside that's going to take over if we are not prepared. We're just trying to help people get prepared. That's important work and it's great work. The website is seven, the numeral seven paths, P-A-T-H-S, forward.com we've been delighted to spend time with uh the two davids david peterson and david goldsmith i want to thank you gentlemen for the work that you're doing uh out in the world and thank you so much for being with us today very rich conversation very thank vital you. for our industry absolutely thank you so much and thank you clarice where can we find you again empoweringwomen.coach 
And of course, we'll be here each and every week to speak with you. Thanks for listening. The Coaching Show is brought to you by Accomplishment Coaching, home of the world's finest coach training program. That's all for today's edition. We will talk to you next week.